Kylie Gatsby mastered the art of portraits, landing her a successful career in a plethora of exhibits under her name. She is the living impersonation of what it was to pursue passion in a culture where art is perceived mainly as a hobby. So how does a pre-med graduate and a corporate analyst found her way back to where her heart calls home? Join us today as we talk more about her art journey, how to get your work into galleries, the Kickstarter stopped drawing faces, why BTS or behind the scenes of your work is a must-have on your socials, and the definition of edge control and watercolor. If you want to be part of the conversation, then send in your questions and topics you want us to cover to hello at etcherlab.com. Hey, this is Jesse from Etcher. We believe in your power to create, so we invited artists from all around the globe to inspire you to keep on creating. Join us in this journey and let's celebrate creativity. This is Make More Art, the podcast. Yeah, so when I was a kid, um, I've always been painting and drawing. And I've been um, representing my school, which is Miriam College High School, um, in different art contests. But as any Asian kid, you know, um, your parents have planned your future for you. And they wanted me to be a doctor so I could take care of my family. So um, when I went to college, I went to a pre-med course. My pre-med course was nursing. Mm. Um, on my second year in nursing or pre-med, I've already wanted to quit and go back to drawing. Okay. But of course, for my parents, I finished the whole course and uh, even got my license in nursing. But afterwards, I never practiced my nursing degree. So um, I tried going, or I tried um, uh, joining uh, different exhibits. I joined two exhibits after graduating from college, but it was very difficult to shift your career from nursing or something health or medical related to art. Because if you try applying for any art related job here in the Philippines, they would always require you to have a degree or a formal education in art. So um, I landed a job as a business data analyst. And a couple of months after getting promoted, I realized, you know, if I if I put the same effort that I'm putting here in my work, uh, learning formulas and uh, uh, SQL codes, then maybe I can make it into the art world. So I think three or four months after um, getting promoted, I actually quit my job. I got married. Then I spent the next two years learning watercolor. I did watercolor because when I uh, growing up, I wanted to be a comic book artist. Mm -hmm. And there's this comic book artist named David Mack who does really good watercolor um, illustrations. Um, I started with the face because if you uh, study comics, if you get any comic book or any uh, comic-related book, you always start with a head. So I started painting uh, head, head drawings or portraits, and then I started posting them on social media. And then people started noticing my artworks, and then I got my first commission jobs because of those head drawings. Hmm. And then after that, I just got into, for some weird reason, I just got into portrait commissions. And then I, I kind of stopped uh, studying or learning comics already. So I wasn't able to get 
to the figure. So I stopped and got stuck in the head and became a portrait commission artist. Okay. And after which, um, I joined the Philippine Guild of Watercolorists. Uh, there, I learned how to do gallery works. I met a lot of artists, framers, and got into art professionally. So in 2018, when I joined uh, the Philippine Guild of Watercolorists, um, I already registered my name in, um, as a professional artist. Mm-hmm. And I started doing portrait commissions um, professionally. Wow. I, I kind of resonate with, of course, in, in Asian countries, if you are into arts, your, your parents would normally tell you that, okay, I will support you, but that's just a hobby. It's not something <laughs> like that you cannot build a career out of it. And kudos to those parents who have supported their their children in terms of providing for like materials and supplies because it can be it can be expensive as well. Um, yes. But uh, what it, what's interesting about your journey is that wow, medical field that is so like on the opposite end <laughs> of the spectrum. <laughs> um, yes. But that's, that's why yeah. it was very difficult to shift from uh-huh. nursing to being a professional uh-huh. artist. Uh-huh. How that decision making, um, Kyle, take me through that. Because for someone who has always been fascinated with art, even as a kid, when you made that shift to go to the medical field, because that's what your parents wanted, how did that make you feel? Was it, did you continue painting? I mean, do you paint on a daily basis? Do you still a lot of time to create? Or you totally shifted your focus to finishing your course because? That's what your parents wanted for you. Um, so growing up, my parents, uh, they have always um, supported my art journey. So mm-hmm. they put me to different art schools and they bought me a lot of art materials. But they've always told me that, you know, that's just a hobby. Yeah. That, and um, when you get to college or when you enter university, it's the serious stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you have to put it aside. And so um, I grew up with that kind of mentality and I had that in my head. Okay. So when I went to university, I was very serious. I was really studying so hard, mm-hmm. uh, memorizing all those medical jargons and all. And then when I was in second year, that was a time when I realized, um, there's, uh, when I felt that emptiness, mm-hmm. there's this feeling that there's something wrong about what I'm doing. And um, I started to feel nostalgic every time I see people from the faculty or the fine Mm -hmm. arts college. So when I see them doing their plates uh, around the campus, um, I'd always feel um, like I have that soft soft feeling for them that, you know, I could be doing that thing also. Mm. And then, but I've always thought, you know, here in the Philippines, they always tell you that there's no money in art. Mm. And... So you, you, you won't look at art as something that it could, um, that can be a career. You, could, you always look at art as a hobby. And so when I actually started out, the, the two years um, that I spent working or studying watercolor and drawing, those are thankless, uh, hardworking, uh, thankless, uh, it's a, it was a thankless job uh, doing, uh, sketching every day, uh, coloring, learning watercolor, and people were trying, were starting to pressure me to get a real job. Mm. And they were telling me that 
you know, this stop indulging in those hobbies and, you know, you get a real job and help your husband make money. But now the same people who are pressuring me about getting a job are the same people who are attending and supporting my art right now. Wow. Talk about like turn of events, like total 180 degree shift. <laughs> but uh, during that time, yes. was, yeah, during that time when you had these people, and I, I'm sure they they meant it, they meant well, right? They of course they they're they're more of of course we support you, you're really good at what you do, but you know that's the common notion or misconception in the Philippines that. I mean, I, probably anywhere because I've, I've had artists as well who had the same sentiments growing up that it's just a hobby. How, what led you to push through with that passion and to, con- to continue to press on, to continue to study? You said yourself that it was a thankless job studying, you know, buying materials, continue creating. What was your catalyst to continue to press on with your passion, to carry on with your passion, Kyle? I think it was that that emptiness or that feeling that I felt when I was uh, in nursing at the nursing college. Um, that feeling of being out of place and you know missing something. Um, it started to grow inside, and um, it was turning into an unhappiness that I couldn't really describe that is already um, seeping through my daily work. Mm. So, uh, even my even my bosses at work before were telling me, you know what, you don't belong here. Because um, you know how it's like here in the Philippines during um, Christmas parties. So I would be involved in all those decorations and mm-hmm. all those um, yeah. art-related projects. And then they'd always tell me, you know what, Pat, you belong somewhere else. And, and I see these people and they see that that potential in me. And that made me realize that, you know, maybe I'm the only person who doesn't see it. Maybe I should start believing in myself more. Mm-hmm. So every time people tell me that, you know, there's no money in art, I'd always uh, remember myself memorizing those MS Excel formulas and SQL codes. And, you know, and every time I remember myself doing that, I say, I would always say that if I can put in the same effort that I'm putting here or pouring in this work in my art practice, then probably I'd make it in the art world. And I'm I'm glad that you, you made a shift. And now we are blessed with all of your beautiful works and sharing them with the world through your exhibits, through teaching as well. Now, before we dive into teaching, Kyle, so portraits. This is a very interesting subject. I say that because for a lot of people, it's always that frustration to draw faces. And there is a stigma that when you draw someone's face, it, it has to be perfect of some sort. It has to really mirror the the measurements of the face, you know, how um, the dimensions, right? I remember back in high school, I attended an art class. It's more of an art club. And the very first thing that that, that we learned is to draw a circle and then draw like a, a, a vertical line. And then, yes, there's not. Yeah. Yes. And I, 
so ever since every time that I would try to draw faces, portraits, that's where that that would be my starting point. But I would always end up getting frustrated because I couldn't either my eyes, the eyes are way too big, the, the proportions are they're not good. So when when you were starting out, and I guess it's because you've been doing this for since you know. As a kid, you've always been fascinated with portraits. But for someone who would like to start drawing faces, any tips or techniques that you can share to make it less intimidating? Uh, my favorite subjects were the people in my house who are watching the television mm-hmm. because they're still and they don't move a lot. So instead of looking at a television, I'm looking at them and I'm drawing mm-hmm. So faces, I think the measurements would come naturally and it would be easier for you to um, assemble the different parts of the face. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's best for you to start with yeah, the circle and all that. But if you don't draw from life or if you don't draw uh, from photographs in a, freehand, in a freehand manner, then it would be very difficult for you to draw portraits especially if you're not into it so you said that you're watching tv and instead of looking at the the faces of the people on the on television you look at the faces of your the people that you're watching but is that right kyle yes (laughs) okay i just Um, want to make sure that i catch that correctly so that's your reference is is that correct yes yes growing up so ever since i was a child i had my sketch pad and I'd always wait for my family to watch those midnight dramas. And when they start sitting down together, I'd face them and then start drawing them. Because I think they're, uh, they're very still. So it's easier to um, draw people who are watching TV than those people that you ask to you know, um, sit there and don't do anything. But it's, it's very difficult to ask uh, a person or a model to do that for you, especially when you're young. Yeah, but that, that's a really an interesting take for your reference. So that, that's your reference growing up. Um, speaking of um, drawing portraits, right? So I was looking at your works on, on your Instagram feed. And back in 2016, you have this certain colors that you use for portraits, so a little bit of pink, blue, and purple. And it's it's like a series of faces. And I was like, it's so good. It's so beautiful to look at. And then slowly, you're, you shifted your colors to more warm. And then it's, it's fascinating to watch your style evolve, even the choice of colors. Can you take me through that journey of how you transition from those uh, pastel colors, like vibrant colors, to warm tones, and then to the style and the choice of and your palette right now okay um uh, as i said a while ago i wanted to be a watercolor comic book artist yeah. and uh the palette that i use um uh, is actually uh, from the pram remember the, 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 the pram, yes. usually the yeah yeah <laughs> the the palette that kids get so uh the colors there are very vibrant very colorful and because my reference uh, that time was um, comic books, mm-hmm. they were very colorful. So I think I got my color palette from that um, that reference. And also the art style, the, the one with so many hard edges, I got that from the comic book artist David Mapp, okay. who 
which is actually the reason why I I started watercolor. Then when I joined the Philippine Guild of Watercolors, I met a lot of interesting uh, portrait artists. Uh, they showed uh, I saw artists who would color outside the lines, which you know when you're growing up. You yeah. never color outside the line, and you get extra points for not doing so. That's and true. So these people, uh, they have a very uh, interesting um, process. Mm-hmm. So I started learning from different senior artists who have more experience with the medium, mm-hmm. and I actually just fell in love with the medium. So I started um, instead of uh, becoming a comic book artist. I became a watercolor painter. I learned how to paint flowers and other subjects. And, you know, I just really fell in love with the medium. And I'm so excited to learn more about its properties and behavior. That's a, that's also very interesting to hear you say that, that you are still learning. Because personally, when I look, and we, we talk about this offline, that I've been seeing your works, like, back in 2019. And... and your exhibits. I haven't been in any of your exhibits, but I did see in, on your feed on your Instagram that you've been doing a lot of exhibits. And when I was staring at your works, I was like, these are really good portraits, like realistic portraits. And you look so young to be making them and <laughs> huge pieces. And for any artist, right, that's it's some huge milestones to have your works displayed in a gallery. And you have done several of them actually a lot of exhibits take me through that how did you because for for most artists right it's one it's calling yourself as an artist acknowledging that you are an artist that's one for a lot of people it's you know you find do i do i really want to wear that artist hat do i really want to call myself as an artist the second is showing your work i know you said earlier that you started showing your works online like in social media and that takes courage but to be able to showcase your works in a gallery of course it's exciting but at the same time can you share with me how how the process of getting to that point wherein you have been tapped by um, a gallery or museum to showcase your works started with um, joining the Philippine Guild of Watercolorists. So um, the, the guild has uh, connections to different galleries, galleries. So I started with joining the group shows. Mm-hmm. And in these group shows, I met other artists, some gallery owners, and some buyers. Mm-hmm. And these people would invite me to their galleries and some of the artists would invite me to their um, exhibits. Mm-hmm. So it was just really through. In- and um, it, helped, it helped a lot that I have different clients in portrait commissions. There was this client who just messaged me online. And then after I gave the paintings to her, she contacted me and invited me to a gallery, at a gallery show in, in a hotel. So when I was there, uh, I introduced myself to her. And then what happened was she just um, introduced me to the curator and the, the, uh, the hotel manager. And 
now they're booking me for a solo exhibit in the hotel next year. So wow. it's really just um, it's really just about the net your network. network. Um, their skills will get you to these people, but it is these uh, your network or these people that would um, like magnify your reach. That that's a really good point. Would you say that the community did help? with that process because you talk about network and you first initially you said that you it's the Philippine Guild of Watercolor is that right that you joined that's that's where it all started that's where you started to build this network of artists buyers and curators and that's really started this whole journey of showcasing your works in a gallery for anyone who would like to start showcasing or you know, have any plans of showing their works, maybe online, probably on social media, and then eventually through a gallery and, and an exhibit, what would you say is your biggest takeaway from that experience that you can share with someone who would like to go through the same path? Um, when I was starting, um, I was actually very scared to show my first works online because they're not perfect and they're not that beautiful compared to other artists but I think it's uh, show uh, it's about showing your journey also like from your early paintings like people notice that people see that and they see their potential through also through the progress um, I think it's okay for you to post works that are not perfect it's also uh, good. This is also a good idea for you to show your process online, because sometimes people just show like artworks on their Instagram. Yeah. But sometimes, according to the curators and art gallery owners that I've met, they like seeing the process of the artist, like knowing about, um, the story behind the artist. So it's actually good uh, for you to. Um, also show your studio, show your process, uh, show your struggles as an artist, because that's how uh, the curators and gallery gallery owners um, would, uh, you know, know the artist. Because, you know, um, when you put your artwork online, um, the common mentality or the usual thinking is that the only people who see your work are actually your followers. But actually, there are a lot of gallery owners and curators who are looking at emerging artists. That is a very um, encouraging um, piece of advice, um, Kyle, to showcase your work and show your process. I think people nowadays are very much interested to see the behind the scenes. Because normally, when you, when you watch YouTube, right, and you see an artist sharing their say tutorial but sometimes it's it's time lapsed and so you you get to see the final product and you start to think how did she get to that point but seeing the glimpse mm -hmm. of the process will allow you to have a better understanding of the journey that that artist has to take in order to get to that point and you also highlighted this in in one of your posts that learning watercolor doesn't happen overnight and it takes practice. And I, I think when I when I read that, that is absolutely true. Because for someone who's looking on to your works, right, without even without checking some of your clips showing your process, I would say that, oh my, I would never get to that point. I would never reach that point 
level of expertise, of, of talent, of um, artistry, of you know doing portraits, same as Kyle. But what's interesting about what you said is that it takes practice and looking at your journey, your how you evolve, your style even, and you mentioning that you are still learning. It's just you know inspiring to to hear that. And for, for someone who's starting out, that it's never ending. It's it you continue to grow um, and learn as an artist, whether if you want to do that as a hobby or if you want to push uh, follow a path that will lead you to a career in art, in art rather, then it's a continuous learning process. Now let's talk about um, teaching. And I know that there was someone who posted a question on your on your Instagram asking when you will be teaching. And I think that's what well, that was way back in 2020. So you have done a live demo with us. And like what I said earlier, people are always fascinated to draw faces because it's a little bit intimidating. But I know with the techniques that you shared in your live demo, you are making it less intimidating for students and for anyone who would like to start up portraits. You will have, so this is for someone, for anyone who's listening to this podcast, so this is airing on a Monday, uh, April 11th, and Kyle here is doing her mini workshop on Friday. That is 7 p.m. Eastern time, is that, is that right? So the 7 p.m. Thursday, April 7, and that's April 8th. 7 a.m. Uh, Philippine time, Singapore time. Yes. I'm trying to it with, with time zone. Talk, let's talk about your mini workshop. What will you be showcasing and teaching our students for your mini workshop? If you have a sample that you can show us, Kyle, that would be great as well. For the mini workshop, I would teach more uh, about edge control because it is something that you need to learn or uh, um, master when you're dealing with watercolor because uh, watercolor is really about timing and uh, learning the behavior of your paper and uh, um, the your brushes so edge control is very important because watercolor is transparent and as I said a while ago you actually paint outside the lines so um, if you don't have that in your list of Skills, it would be very difficult to show the behavior of water in watercolor. And I would be teaching about uh, mixing skin tones. Right. So um, in my YouTube live demo, I um, uh, talked about uh, what uh, it talked about the different colors that go into um, the mixing of the skin tones for different uh, race. Um, for my 90-minute uh, class, I will teach the students how to apply those colors and in different layers uh, in doing portraits. Um, I would be teaching that step-by-step step because oh. I'm also a person who didn't go to art school. So mm -hmm. um, I know how it feels like to start from scratch. So right. um, I would teach that step-by-step step in my class. That's really good to hear because a lot of our students um, and those who subscribe to Epture Studio, they love it when the artists have this beginner mindset. 
when they have a beginner mindset because that will allow the artist to break down their process step by step because they're putting themselves in the student's shoes. And so it's easier for them to break down the process and for the students to really understand what those step-by-step process or steps are. I like that you started in your mini workshop, those colors that you need to mix because yes, you're absolutely right with skin tone. I personally would start with either flesh, just flesh, and if it wanted dark, if it's a little bit darker, then I would less water. So I, I haven't really tried like mixing other colors in order to, or sometimes I would use brown and then maybe mix, I don't know, white, just to make, you know, skin tone. But in your class, you showed, in your live demo, you showed like the different colors that you can use in order to create skin tone. And then for the me workshop, a step-by-step process and how to apply those colors in order to achieve um, skin tone in your portraits. That is a very interesting and exciting class. It's happening on the 8th of April for those who are in Asia. And if you are in the U.S., it's April 7th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I think I'm going to subscribe to that because I would really love to learn how to, because it's always a struggle, especially for skin. Yes. Okay. Um, so do you do any other classes? So the one that you'll be having for for uh, for Etcher that's happening this Friday, but you also do on-site because, you know, it, during the pandemic, everyone shifted online. Um, have you done any teaching um, during the pandemic at the height or at the peak of the pandemic? Um, in 2020, I think I did, uh, it was just a live demo. It wasn't really a class. It was just a live demo showing me painting a portrait for baby mama. Mm -hmm. And then after that, uh, this year, I um, have four, I joined the 30 days, 30 faces watercolor challenge of wow. Sketchy. So I have four classes um, in, in Sketchy. And I also did... Um, a class just a couple of weeks ago, I think two weeks ago, I did a class for the Philippine Guild of Watercolorists. Um, it was also a portrait class, but it's more about um, how to uh, how to put shadows on the face. Well, that's another interesting technique of shadows. This is always a struggle, uh, probably for another class with you, Kyle, uh, for you to teach that. Okay, during the pandemic, um, I, I saw this as well in, in one of your posts that kind of resonated with me because a lot of people felt very isolated uh, at the time of the pandemic. And for a, a lot of people, they resorted into making art. What are your pieces of advice or golden nuggets for someone who is still feeling a bit lost or feeling, still feeling a bit isolated, um, but also very much interested to try on new things, whether it's painting, dancing, or any form of art. What sort of advice that you can share with that someone or for anyone who's listening who might be in that state? Um, I think it's uh, about mindset. Mm. Because actually, um, with, with respect to people who struggle during the pandemic, my art actually flourished during the pandemic because I had more time and less distraction uh, during the lockdown. So I think um, it's about your mindset or how you see the situation. 
experience for me, I saw that as an opportunity to actually learn more right. and um, be more with my path. So um, if you're one of those people who feel isolated, um, you can use some uh, change of mindset or change in your mindset because um, don't look at it as a, a bad thing or a tragedy to be stuck at home. It could be the rest or the uh, isolation that you've been um, waiting for for you to start something new or to start a craft or, or, delve, or dive deeper into your craft. Because it was only during the pandemic when I... I was able to study more since also people were just at home, more clients for portrait commissions. And since also everything was done online, invited to teach online, which is I've always wanted to teach and uh, get into a class of, of watercolorists. And all these things happened actually when uh, we were in lockdown. Mm -hmm. So I think you need to take advantage of the things that, are present or that you the things that you have so like for example if you have more time now at home i think you need to use that time to uh, learn something new or you know to study more about your craft love it very well said kyle and i i i asked that because you also mentioned three things um in one of your posts and that i felt that any for anyone who would you know might be feeling stuck or would like to start something new, but kind of scared to, to do that. You said, paint what's on your mind, dance with your feelings, and sing your heart out. I kept repeating those lines in my head prior to the interview because those are really, you know, those are simple lines if you think about it, but they are very inspiring and very encouraging and free, liberating as well to just, Paint what's on your mind. You don't have to have, like what you say, um, you want to teach from a perspective of someone who didn't have any art background. And, you know, dance with your feelings, you know, paint your, what, what's in, what, what you're feeling, whatever that is, and sing your heart out. <laughs> so, Kyle, it's been a pleasure having you on. Um, like what I said, I'm, I'm a huge fan of your works. Um, even prior to joining Etcher, I've been seeing your works. And I love how you are able to showcase the emotions of people through their portraits. Um, one, what you mentioned earlier that you know it's, it's easier for you to draw faces, not by... You know, someone who's very still and poised, but for someone who's very relaxed, just like I said, watching TV, your family members, and it shows in in your in your work. So, I hope that you will continue to inspire us with your art um, through um, your exhibits and especially through your classes, the one that you'll be having with us, with Etcher. Um, thanks for agreeing to do that with us. And that is happening again on April 7 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We will include the details on the show notes. Um, that's going to be recorded by the time that you listen to this episode, but you can definitely check that out. And you can follow Kyle underscore the artist. Is, is that right for your Instagram? Yes. Um, I will yes. also include that on the description box for our YouTube channel, as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. 
Kyle, it's been a pleasure having you on. I learned so much and I feel like, well, finally I get to interview someone that I, I looked up to when it comes to portraits. So thank you for taking the time to share this space with me and to share your journey as an artist. Thank you also, Jesse. I am certainly trying out the techniques shared by Kyle, and who knows, maybe I can finally correct my proportions this time. What about you? Have you also tried drawing faces? Care to switch notes? Do let us know through the blog post associated with this podcast at etrolab.com slash Kyle. We would love to hear your thoughts, so please drop us a five-star review on the Apple Podcast, or you can find us on YouTube at Etro Studio. And, oh, hitting the subscribe button is greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you again next time. Until then, let's make more art.